Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is a podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to 66866. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say, hey, you can contact us at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys. Oh, so, um, damn, don't I, like I started every show in the same way with the hey guys and uh, <laughs> like, I feel like I always, have to take that deep breath to like get started but um this is week six in quarantine I feel like when I say that it's like I am coming off of um like I'm like I'm doing my what is it star log from star trek like I'm really telling you guys what I've been going through sitting in the house and so I've been home now for six weeks and the last three weeks I've been in the house like continually I go outside I walk my dog I come back in the house that's it but it's starting it's wearing on me it's it's starting to wear on me you guys um good news is this week I haven't been bombarded with people passing up and down my timeline um Bad news is our guest from last week, Jenny Graham, her grandmother was diagnosed with COVID. So, you know, just sending her love and light and prayers for her and her family that she recovers very, very quickly. But um, so far, everybody is very hopeful that that will happen. So, you know, it's just it's so crazy because we're at a point now where we can only control the things that we can control and put everything else in God's hands. And I don't know who you worship 
or if you worship. But I think that if if you don't believe in a higher power at this point in time, you might think about it because this is really showing us that there's so much out of our control that we just kind of have to, you know, like I said, the scripture that I am, that I am, that's bringing me comfort in these days is lean not on my own understanding because yeah, I don't understand any of this. (laughs) Um, still working, still seeing clients. And so I'm blessed in that way, but you know, my business, like everyone else is kind of taking a hit. Um, and although I'm not, I won't say that I'm not really worried about it. I'm in a, I'm in a good situation financially that I can move one thing from here to there to do the things that I need to do. Still not what I want. So I started a new, not a job, but a new referral source. And so what I was supposed to do was get all of these these things done. I taken all the classes. I did all of the requirements for it. And then of course on Friday they asked me for another thing. So I have a class that I need to take. And I was gonna take the week off this week of the show to get that done. But I'm gonna probably try to do some of that before I go to bed tonight so that I can get everything done by tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I have going on. Um if you are DMing me questions, I am back on social media. And so I've been answering questions to people that have DM me. And this week, the question that I got was from Bundle of Lisa. And I responded, but she was basically asking me this. So she said, thanks for getting back to me. I'm fighting with myself back and forth about becoming a therapist or a neurologist. Nice. I love the medical field, especially the brain, and I love helping people. I've been through a lot in my life, which is why I wanted to help others work through their traumas, but I'm scared that listening to others' traumas could possibly trigger me. I would love to be a doctor because the medical field and science is interesting to me, but it's a lot of schooling and very challenging from what I heard. I'm not sure which to choose, but I have to decide fast. As I'm graduating with my bachelor's degree this year. And I guess I'm asking for advice from your perspective. And experience in the therapy field. Do you believe it's a good idea for someone in my situation? Thanks. In advance. So I answered the question on social media. But I feel like, you know, I'm going to answer it here. A lot of people ask me about career advice. And I just, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) You know? Um, I had another friend ask me about whether or not she should get a second master's in order to be a therapist. Um, well, let me answer this one question first. And I mean, my, ba- my basic answer was, is I don't know your situation. And if you mean because you have traumas. Oh, and if you mean because you have traumas, we all do. It's our job to learn to master them. My traumas allow me to connect better with my clients and they don't trigger me because my boundaries and my self-care care game are strong. I think you should contact schools you're interested in and see what realistic time investment it would take for you to get to where you are. From where you are, 
to where you want to be. If you go the neurologist route, that would require the edu. I'm sorry. If you go the neurologist route, ask them what the educational path would be and then what the career path would look like for you while you're doing it. Or consider if it could be your only focus. So what I meant by that is the, the, the education path. So for me, I could have gone to school to be a psychologist, but that would have taken me six years because of my age and the fact that I needed to make money quicker sooner than later because I had a whole kid and a household to support. Um, I needed to do it the quickest way that would start generating me income. And so I considered which education path would be the, the quickest way for me to get to work in my field, doing what I loved, but also actually getting paid for it. Uh, the second thing is the career path, what that looks like once you get once you graduate. So for me, once I graduated with my LMSW, well, when I graduated with my MSW and then I earned my LMSW maybe three months later after graduation, um, it still took me another three years of working, right? Like I was working those three years, but it took me another three working three years <laughs> to work underneath someone until I could get to my my actual ultimate goal, which was private practice for me. And so if I had gone the psychologist route, it would have taken me three years of schooling, an additional three years of schooling, an additional three years of practicum, and then I would have been able to work. So that would have been six years. So for me, it wasn't worth me being a psychologist when now I'm a psychotherapist and we pretty much do the same things that I wanted to do. Like, I don't really mind not doing psychological testing, although, I mean, it's just an extra check, but I can kind of pretty much do the exact same things. And I, I, I assume that after COVID is all said and done, they will be more psychotherapists, LMHW, Oh gosh, LMSWs, LMHCs, um, LPCs, then, then psychologists. Unfortunately, our medical workforce is older. Um, younger people are graduating. They want to go to school for shorter time. They want to, they want to invest in their education, but not spend half a million dollars doing it going to school for six years or eight years or five years. So what we're going to see is a, a, a more streamlined educational process to get to the medical field. And unfortunately, because of COVID, there are going to be a lot of frontline medical workers who are going to pass away. I hate to think that, but they, they're not going to survive the next 18 months of this pandemic. And so what's going to happen is that a lot of people who have similar training are going to rise up in the ranks. So like psychiatrists are, are, are medical doctors and they treat mental health, but they also write prescriptions. Like I'll say at this point, it's like a 70 80% of them just write scripts and maybe, 
you know, that other 20% that also sees their patients and that also, um, have regular therapy sessions with them and prescribe medication, right? But the majority of them only just write scripts because rather than sit with a client for 45 minutes and then write them medic- write them a script for medication, I can see the clients for 15 minutes and allow the social workers or the other psychotherapists, when there, there are many people in the field who are able to do the therapy part of it, but I'm the only person that's able to do the medication part of it. And so just by volume of clients who need both therapy and medication, it only makes sense that I only do the one thing that I can do that the other people can't do, which is just to write the the medication, do the medication piece. Well, what happens is in state in places like New York and um, I'm going to assume all over the country, but I only live here. And I only work here. I've seen a lot more nurse practitioners or physician's assistants do that work. So, yeah, since I've been in private practice, I want to say I've seen more physician assistants. Well, not really physician assistants, but a lot more nurse practitioners who are doing this, the psychotherapy medication piece than actual psychiatrists. And so there is going to be a work force shift that happens after this I also believe that there's going to be an educational shift after this because of the fact that a lot of our medical professionals they're either immigrants they are you know either immigrants from somewhere else who came to the U.S. to work or immigrants meaning that they're first or second generation Americans we're going to have to do more to make sure that we have a medical force after this. And because of this stupid presidency and the lack of political leadership that we have in this country, we're going to be in a deficit when it comes to medical professionals and our hospitals and our frontline workers or our doctors and nurses, they're going to be tapped out for a really long time after this so there has to be something that we're, we're going to be able to do and they're going to have to they're going to have to pump some money into education in order for us to be able to survive as a country medically from here on out and that's a whole nother conversation that a lot of people aren't having so when I talked about career path that's what I meant um then I responded if you're thinking about being a therapist it's possible that you could actually do that first at the same time, you're going to school to be a neurologist. Now, again, I don't know the neurology path. I'm not even going to Google it. I'm not even going to look it up. I just usually don't respond to questions when I don't know the answer to things. But, you know, what I tried to do was make sure that I answered the question from my perspective as a therapist. Um, My response was the full response. If you're thinking about being a therapist, it's possible you can actually do that first. At the same time, you're going to school to be a neurologist. I can't say I was done. Well, I can say, oh, I can't say about neurology, but I was done with my therapist education in a year and a half. Full time schooling year round, but I was able to do that. And then work in the field before becoming independent. So you have to decide what that path looks like for you and make a decision in alignment with your goals and what your lifestyle 
and your lifestyle. What I suspect will happen, which I just already said, in the next year or two is that we will have a greater educational opportunities online and I hope school will become cheaper but we will see um so that was the one question that I had oh no I don't think I have the other person's question oh wait yeah her question wasn't really specific basically she was she was wondering about going into mental health and so we discussed what her options was and she was asking me about the path to LMHC which I don't know anything about and again I don't really talk about things and programs that I don't know anything about I am an LCSW you can ask me anything about my journey to being an LCSW and I'll be able to answer that if you have any other questions about mental health or anything like that then we can do that so uh I recorded a show or today and I'm back to doing interviews I think I told you guys before that interviews for me they take a lot longer to edit Uh, the way that I do the editing is that I'm on one track and then they're on another track so that when I'm interrupting them I could either fix it or edit it out it doesn't sound like you know we're all talking over each other it's so weird because now like all of the TV interviews are are done like Zoom or like Cisco or whatever. So like you, there's a delay. So when one person is talking and then the other person is talking over them and you're like, gosh, this is so annoying. That's what happens in podcasting. And so I don't, I'm never in studio with any of my guests or I'll say rarely and I haven't done it in a long time. And so... I interviewed someone recently and I wanted to talk about something very, very specific. And I got to listen to the show again. <laughs> and I got to see if I got to see how I feel about it. Like people, there have been times that I've interviewed people before. I don't know if any of you guys know this about me. I was actually a journalist for a time after that, after, um, college my undergrad was in communications although I'm doing a real shit job of communicating today I'm a little tired but um my job was in in so I don't know if I said this before but my background is in communications I actually worked as a journalist shout out to ESPN's uh, what was it page three that I used to write for I used to write for King Magazine uh, some double XL stuff a lot of national publications and I still kind of write actually I have an article that just came out on god don't don't get mad that I don't know Okay, yeah. I had a story that came out last week on allhiphop.com. And I'm interviewed a lot for for stories giving a mental health perspective with the homegirl, Zhuzh, right? So um, look at my story on hip, allhiphop.com if you get a chance. It's called Five Ways to Protect Your Mental Health During a Coronavirus Pandemic. 
And I thought he was going to interview me because and usually what happens is I'll just like send blurbs of stuff. No, it was my whole. He was just like, you wrote the article, just throw it up. So that's my first byline in like, I don't know, 10 years. But when I'm interviewing people on the site, I want the interviews to be cohesive. I want everybody to look their best. I have to listen to the show. Again, I felt like I was pulling teeth. So that show will probably come out next week if it makes the cut. Uh, um, if not, then I will be definitely looking to interview somebody else. If you want to come on the show, please, please, please send me an email. I will get back to everybody. I am answering DMs right now. I do answer my emails. I promise you, I've been a little behind just because things have been a little bit crazy lately. But I I swear, I want to start getting back to getting people back on the show because it's so necessary. Also, male therapists, if you are out there, I want to talk to you. Okay, we're going to need you. I um, I need to talk to you. So clearly I was in a group of, I am in a group of therapists. I'm in a lot of therapy groups, but this one thing came to, came across my desk. Basically there was, there's this group that's a mixed group that white clinicians and black clinicians were in and apparently the white people in this group were showing out. And so there was a woman who was a therapy student who, who was saying racist things. Like she was inboxing people and calling people the N word and stuff. Now, uh, what ended up happening was a whole conversation about the need for safe spaces and curated spaces for people of color, right? So, you know, I tried to stay out of the conversation. And honestly, I don't even know how the hell I ended up getting in, in that group because I'm not really in a lot of mixed groups. Shout out to like white therapists who are allies, but it's not, I don't know too many of them. I know I know several that are colleagues of mine that I went to school with um, of, of different ethnicities, but I don't frequent white spaces on the net. And, and mostly because I think that whole facade of like being able to put sit behind a computer and say whatever you want to say. It have a lot of people saying a lot of stupid things, but I'm not sure how I ended up getting in this conversation outside of me, just commenting <laughs> me, button my news in it. But apparently there was like a whole back and forth with me and some white guy who was just like, Oh, you know, I know that this one, this woman and the woman had DM like several people in the group. Like it just wasn't like one or two people. Like she had D, she 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 DM'd 
a bunch of people and was like, you know, you're N-word, you, I don't even know. It felt so random. Like, I would like to believe that the person was crazy, but I don't, I don't think that's no excuse. I don't know. It just solidified for me the need for culturally competent therapists and how even in 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 spaces that are supposed to be safe, right? Of people who have taken a Hippocratic oath or signed a, a code of ethics in order to like practice and be there for people of color. They don't always have our best interest at heart, not even as a colleague, not even as a professional. And it was very sad. So I kept getting in this back and forth with this white guy who was like, oh, she's just one idiot. That's not indicative of all white people. And I'm like, okay, that's not the point. And like, if your client came to you and told you, well, there's a racist incident that happened, your black client or your client who's you know, not of the privileged class or not white, right? Like, let's just call the thing a thing, beloved, Ayanla. So, like, if you are a white therapist and your clients come to you and they say, hey, this is what I've experienced walking around in my brown skin, you wouldn't be like, hey, but that's an isolated incident. Most white people are good. And if you would do that, you're doing a disservice. So I tried to like make that comparison. Like I understand that maybe this one person is an idiot, but if this, this lady is bringing this to the attention of the admins and the group members, that this is what David, she's experienced. And not only that, it wasn't even the one person. It was multiple people got inbox message from this person who wants to be a mental health professional. Why are you talking about us? And that we need to find, have empathy and sympathy for the fact that this may just be one isolated incident in this person's life. Why are you not saying, you know what, that I feel very sorry that that happened to you. Like when people are telling you that something that happens in your environment hurt them, acknowledge the hurt. Like I say this all the time. I don't need you to understand. I just need your understanding. And so it then from there went a back of, oh, well, if my client, so you, so you feel like that, then you, I must be a black, bad clinician because if my client came to me with any pro- problem complaining about any old thing, it sounds like you just agree with everything they say. I said, no, but we all as therapists, one of the, the things that we do all the time, all day, every day is normalize their experience. And by normalizing their their experience, you say, damn, I'm sorry that that happened to you. That you acknowledge that that is their experience. And that they are the architect and the narrator of their own story. And I can deconstruct that at another time. We We could talk about it. We could talk through it. I mean... I won't let let them paint everybody with the same brush. But at the same time, we do have to talk about this incident and what you felt in this moment that this one person did to you. And then it was another conversation in these, this other group 
where a white clinician posted that she was doing telehealth and someone asked them if they identify as a woman of color and they are white and she said she didn't know how to answer bruh bruh yo (laughs) like it was so stupid to me like why wouldn't you just say no I don't identify as a woman of color and of course the conversation went a little something like this well why should I be discriminated against because I'm not a person of color just because I'm not a person of color that doesn't mean yo yo I am a black therapist There's been plenty of times that people have told me they didn't want to work with me because I was black. They didn't want to work with me because I was a woman. They didn't want to work with me because I'm Christian. They didn't want to work with me because I was too young. I've had people say they didn't want to work with me in marital counseling because I'm not married. I don't fight that. I say, yo, you know what? Go on on. Go ahead, choose who you want to, because therapy is an intimate relationship. And who am I to tell somebody that they must, gots to feel comfortable with having me as their therapist? Not bad, yo, it's autoplay. I think it's so privileged, such a, such a tone deaf and arrogant view of I always got included in everything I hate to be excluded from everything everything ain't about you and I don't feel no way about it when like people when there are clients that want to work with me and then they work with me and they're like nah you're not it Because my client has to trust me implicitly in order to tell me all of the things that they need to tell me in order for me to get them to a place of healing. And if I can't trust you culturally. And if I have to explain like nuances of like black stuff. I I mean, it's going to it's going to defeat the purpose. Now, I've been very transparent. My therapist is not a person of color. However, he is culturally competent. And that's what I really, really need. And it really, what really bothered me about that whole conversation, it was like, oh, well, she was, she was saying that she needed a, a, you know, a culturally competent therapist who identifies as a woman of color. Now, if, if you were culturally competent, you would have been able to identify the fact that no, I am no, I'm not a woman of color, but I do I am culturally competent and I do understand that you are the architect of your own story. And I will always respect you as the authority on your cultural identity. And I'm very aware of microaggressions and the privilege that I have in, in, in the world. And I take exception and I work really, really hard at being an ally with everybody. 
and I'm not perfect, but I'm a work in progress. And I'm a damn good therapist and I would love to help you through this process. And give them the opportunity to make that decision. Not be offended because, oh my God, they don't want a white therapist. Y'all bugging out. They tripping. Like I saw another, like a meme. It wasn't a meme. Shout out to Witches Brew. But I was on their page and they was like, they had a thing about birthday cakes and how black people will say don't cut the name. And then somebody else said, I don't know why you would even write this up here because what the rules just are. They don't have to be repeated. That's what having that cultural competence or that cultural identity piece be present there means. It's the unwritten nuances. It's the things that we culturally do that we can identify with one another and that we don't have to explain. There's plenty of times that I'm out with my homegirls or with my with my dudes and we both see something real weird and we will just look at each other and nothing needs to be said. We are we know what it means. My girlfriend yesterday, she was having a conversation with me about someone else and she was like, I don't know, that girl wear kitten heels. And I was like, "Ooh, you know, you dead wrong <laughs> because that's the worst thing that my friend could ever say to anybody. Cause I know how she feel about kitten heels. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, yo, that was a low blow. She didn't have to explain to me what that meant. And nobody else, like somebody else might not have got that reference, but because we here, we see eye to eye, of course we get that. So, you know, I don't always advocate for therapists of color. I'm a liar. I do always advocate for therapists of color, but that's not what I mean. I don't always promote this. You have to, if you're a black person, you have to have a black therapist, but you do have to have a therapist that's culturally competent and that allows you to, to be able to freely orate your story and your experience and know that it's yours completely and not put themselves in it or deal with their white guilt or white gays shout out to black af we could talk about that a whole nother time i did not enjoy that show and um that's a whole nother thing um but yeah that white gaze is a real thing that need to center everything around whiteness including my white feelings and being able to insert that in in everybody else's story is exhausting it's exhausting for everybody else who has to deal with it. Okay, so I just want to jump on and say, hey, tell you guys what I was dealing with in my own little life. Check in with you. I will check in with you guys again. Hopefully next week I have this course done and everything will be good. Guys, still social distance. I know that. Atlanta is is going outside and people are doing what they need to do but I need for you guys to to stay safe and be blessed and be well
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I Banks on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A Banks.com and on the show's website, Black Therapist podcast.com and don't forget if you want to send us any general feedback show suggestions uh, show topics or guest ideas please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com thank you be well